did this pastor crush it in a career in sales? Let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, hey there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our BNC studios here in lovely eastern Indiana. And yeah, let's kind of dig down this adventure here. Very interesting story we're going to hear today from our guest, how he went from a pastor to successful sales professional. Joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show, Jacob Thatcher. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. What's up? Thanks for having me. Jake, thanks for joining the program, man. Really appreciate you uh, taking some time to talk to us today and digging into all things sales, booking appointments. But before we do that, we have to first start off talking about this this interesting road you found yourself down as a pastor and how you you dare say it helped you as you transition to a life as being a sales professional. Talk to us about that. Yeah, totally. First, thanks for having me, Brian. Absolutely. Um, so I grew up in a really specific, particular type of church. And in this specific, particular type of church, one of the main things we would do to evangelize, and I am not religious really anymore at all, but one of the main things we would do to evangelize is we'd go out on college campuses or into malls or just wherever people were, and we'd walk up to people, try and initiate a conversation and our objective essentially was to get people to come to our events in order to get to know them better, kind of do the whole Christian thing and eventually convert them or, you know, we, we had a whole lens on it. But uh, basically the hardest form of cold calling I ever did was walking up to random strangers in Seattle, Washington, the most unchurched city in the country, and trying to initiate a conversation about religion, God, theology, hermeneutics in order to get them to an event which is kind of like a demo or a meeting or whatever. Right. And so, um, super challenging, had to really, really, really focus on asking good questions, digging deep into something they were interested in. Um, and you know, when I had my first sales job, which is a cold calling role, it honestly didn't feel that hard compared to that. So, (laughs) yeah, once you're, you're kind of like face to face trying to quite literally sell your religion, um, all of a sudden, you know, the the hesitation to just pick up a phone call to a random stranger and trying to push a particular product or service doesn't really seem as daunting, I'm sure. Um, well, well, that's just, I mean, there's so much to unpack there, right? Let, let's kind of start, I guess, as you're going into the world of sales now, where, and this is where you kind of find yourself today and, and helping you know, book appointments and, and prospecting and so forth. Let's talk about what you learned specifically, I guess, that you're using today. You're like, wow, here I am, fast forward, what, 11, 12, 13 years from where I was to where I am, and I still find myself each and every day using this one thing that I would use when I was actually going out and trying to sell my religion. What would that one thing you think be? Um, I think the most important thing that I garnered from that experience was you have to ask good questions. And if people are not responding to the questions you're asking, you know, sometimes the people you're talking to, obviously everyone knows there's a percentage of people out there that are just going to be a no. But if they're not responding to the questions you're asking, when they're responding to the questions people around you are asking, it's probably one of two things. One, the way you're asking the question, or two, 
you're not listening to them good enough. And so you've got some templatized version of a question. And I don't, I don't care if you're a cold calling SDR or an account executive or a closer. I currently manage four sales teams at companies doing seven plus figures. And I got a couple of my own and we do sales coaching and training. And I've, I've done a bunch of stuff. And one of the primary like distinguishing factors in a B sales rep and an A level sales rep is how good they are at actually executing the ask and at like formulating a good question. What does that Even look if they're like? They're kind of, kind yeah. of asking the same thing. What does that look um, like? So I, I think it looks like a couple things. One, you got to know who you're talking to. Okay. So if you're selling to me, I'm a pretty direct to the point guy, especially if I'm on a sales call and getting sold, you need to be a little bit more direct. If you're trying to book or sell something to smaller business owners that maybe have a little bit less of an Mind you, my, my business classifies as SMB, even though I'm a little bit more like that. But if you're talking to someone that's a little bit more soft or gentle or friendly of a person, that's going to be different. If the person is more interested in the subject matter than the results, you need to go that direction. You really have to learn a lot about the person you're talking to from the first couple of seconds you're with them. And you can only do that one of two ways. One is by paying attention and two is by knowing people. You actually probably have to do both. Um, and so the way you ask the question is really going to depend on who you're talking to and what they're giving off in terms of who they are as a person, right? Like pitch anything. Oren Clough talks about these different types of people and selling them differently, even if it's the exact same sale, the exact same offer, um, the exact same sales cycle, because different things are going to resonate with them. Different things are going to hit their ego differently. And different things are going to trigger them differently. So you really, really have to be listening, not just to what they say, but paying attention ultimately to how they're presenting themselves, showing themselves, engaging with you and responding to different things you do. I'm, I'm a big fan. So like, I'm a big fan of the checklist mentality, right? Like go through, make sure you, you check all the boxes. Like, are, are you forgetting anything? But there, there comes a point where, I think you have to almost have a fine balance of like, as much as I agree, yes, you need to go through and check the boxes. You also need to be in that present state when you're listening to what your prospect's saying. If you're you're only focused on checking off the next box and you miss something, right? That could be the most important thing that helps you get the signature on the dotted line that you could have used later on, but you you weren't paying attention. You were more focused on trying to get your your boxes checked for your process for your system but they they may have given you the secret password you're going to need at level 20 when you're at level 16 right and you right. didn't catch it and now you're like you're con- you're going through your notes and you're like where was the secret password i must have missed it cuz you did you weren't paying attention you were more focused on what you wanted to say and where you wanted to drive the conversation than where the prospect was was telling you they wanted to go right they were leading you that way but you ignored them because you were more focused on your your goals, your your ambition versus really at this point, what was the needs of the customer from their own their own mouth? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think one of the most important things that you can do, whether it's on a cold call, whether it's on an inbound appointment setting call, and you're more of like an MDR, or whether you're an account executive in discovery, is getting the initial core driver for them whether you're using the vernacular of, of, of problem, pain focus, or goal, desire, outcomes focus, and the lack thereof is their pain, that's the real 
thing I look for in a sales call when I'm doing discovery, whether that's a cold call or an actual closing call and whether it's a $5,000 program or whether I'm selling a multiple six-figure package to a $10 million client. Or and whatever. Jake, how do, you, how do you look for pain? Like it's one thing, and let me give you some context to that question because I hear that a lot. Like, oh, find the pain, solve the pain, right? Like, like, uh, you twist the knife, really, you know, put salt in the wound, make them feel the pain. But like, how do you actually uncover that pain in a natural way without it being forced? Being like, just, hey, what, 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 what's your pain points? What are your problems? Like, that's just that's not natural. It's not how people talk. So, how do you bring that up and actually uncover that true that that bed bug issue? So I find that especially with a saturation of simplistic sales tactics, we have lost the principles, the core principles that sit underneath a lot of these tactics. We want to really simplify what we're doing, but underneath it, there are people that you are talking to that actually want something to be different. They actually do have a pain and they're willing to talk to you about it if you can create a container and a conversation where you don't, you don't attack them, you don't twist a knife. Because no one's going to show you where the pain is if you're just going to go and twist the knife. Mm -hmm. They're immediately going to stop making themselves vulnerable to you. So what I think works the best for me, no matter what your tactic is, and whether if you're a challenger or a sandler or whatever, doesn't don't really care, um, is to create a space where they can be honest with you and you can be honest with them. And that means if you challenge them or if you, I don't know, can comfort them or whatever it is, doesn't matter what it is on that spectrum, because you have set up a container and a conversation where honesty can happen. So mm. I think the best way to do that in a sales context is to lead the conversation. When I teach people to cold call, I love upfront context. I love contracts. I love consent-based openers. And I think it needs to sound like you. I think you need to practice it so much that it sounds scripted. And then probably three times that amount once you hit that point. So that it becomes your language and it becomes of your essence so that for me in the beginning of a sales call, I always start the exact same way. You know, I might chit chat a little bit. By the way, you don't build rapport in the first 10 seconds of a call or of any conversation. You might get someone to like you, but rapport is built via trust. Rapport is something much deeper than where are you from, right? And so don't, don't worry about that. Don't do weird, fake stuff. Be a real human being. I start my conversations with, hey, can we hop right in? Here's the agenda. I want to learn a little bit about you, why we're talking. I'd say that not exactly like that. And then I'm going to tell you obviously about us and everything and, you know, not hiding anything, not hiding anything behind a veil or anything like that. Does that sound fair? Is that good for you? Cool. Great. Well, for starters, actually, even before I go into some specific questions here, what like interested you enough to hop on a call? And I know you might not know a ton about us and you might be interested just to learn more, but what even grabbed your attention about the ad you saw or the person you talk to on the cold call for two minutes or whatever. Just what do you what, what do you want to talk about? What is like important to you? And we'll just go there. So that for me is a natural way to say like, what actually is on the top of your mind? And we can just talk about that. And if they go, oh, I don't know, nothing really. I go, well, okay. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like, like, what do you mean? Nothing really, you know, like, why are we and here? Like, I, I, I honestly don't get that very often. And the reason why is because no matter if, if my source is, ad or cold call and the reason why is because the whole strategy is homogeneously hey just tell us if it is or it isn't if it's not no worries so you can't like fake detachment either but i think if you just set a container where honesty 
is rewarded, not punished by you twisting some knife that they just revealed to you, mm-hmm. then you're actually going to be able to have a conversation with someone that trusts you enough for you to push back and enough for them to open up and for it all to be good and safe. And so if that's not there, like good luck, objection handling, good luck, actually getting their core emotional driver, you're going to get so much more smoke and objections and answers. And so that's kind of my philosophy is how can this container just set up a really honest conversation? Because if you're a salesperson and you're listening to this, you know that if you only sold the people that actually want and need what you have, you'd be fine. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you just got those people, you'd be more than fine. So do what effectively converts those people at the highest percentage, which to me isn't that they like you, but it's also not that you're just like some jerk that like is so insistent that this is the way to solve their problem. Get to understand them a little bit and make that a sincere, curious thing and they'll open up. They, they will. And if it's a no, you'll, you're going to say it's a no. And if you find reasons that it should be a no, I go, hey, why don't you do this then? Like, mm-hmm. that don't really make sense to me because if I'm, you know, if I'm thinking it, they're definitely going to think it once I drop price and their fight or flight kind of kicks in, right? So I think that's what makes it natural. Just be a human being talking to a human being. Like I, when I went from B to B to B to C, my, men, my mentor is like, hey, man, it's P to P. It's person to person. Just be a human, right? And that was super helpful advice for me um, because I know how to do that. And if you don't know how to do that, go practice it in a social setting, truly. Um, see what makes people feel weird. See what makes them feel interrogated. See what makes them feel like you're being scripted and not listening. And see what makes them feel really listened to. And see if you can do it inside of a structure that allows the breathing room for you to be a normal human being and know the boxes that you need to check, know the categories they fall under so that you're checking bigger boxes and you can pay attention more. So there's less boxes to check, I think. I, I, I can't agree more. Um, and I, I gotta say like as a sales professional myself, probably one of, if, if not the biggest things that has helped me in my becoming a better sales professional, believe it or not, has been being a podcaster. And because as a podcaster, I have to ask good questions to facilitate the conversation. And if you're not asking good questions, then, I mean, number one, your, your podcast will just kind of fall flat. There's nowhere for it to really go. But number two, your audience isn't engaged because they're tuned out too. Cause now it just feels like it's, it's, you know, a waffle back and forth. And there's no real momentum in the conversation. But the other thing I like to do as well, and I'm not sure what your thoughts are here, Jake. I'd love to hear your context on your perspective, but I'm a big fan of, of getting my, not just my guest on my show, but also getting my, my prospect to talk more than me. So mm-hmm. for every episode, I transcribe it into an AI app called Otter and it helps break down for show notes. But yep. when I do that, it shows me the percent of how much I talked versus how much my guests talk. On average, it's usually yeah. like 65, 70% my guests speaking the entirety of the episode and then the rest is me. And I like it that way because, yes, while the show's name is The Brian Nichols Show, the content itself is not me. I mean, sometimes it's me, but more often than not, it is the content my guests bring to the table that we can then kind of dig through and dissect in a different way, whether it's talking about how do we bring what we know works in the world of sales, right, to the world of politics and help folks in that world, or whether it's just trying to help folks outside of that world of politics in just you know the world of the nonprofit or in the private sector, 
finding a problem that they identify in the the area of expertise or niche that they want to focus on and then solving that problem right and and being yeah. able to to talk about ways not just how the problem gets addressed but frankly the the value that we bring from bringing them from point a to point b now i this i say all this to yes i do have a question here and all that and that is i said a lot and it took a lot to say all that but how do we get someone on a quick phone call we're doing a prospecting call right 15, 20, 30 seconds, maybe tops if we're lucky in the initial interaction to get someone to continue a conversation with us. How do we do that without pushing too hard to your point on some of those pain points that we know they are likely facing without making it so they they don't feel that they can be vulnerable with us, but still making it so they are at least having their interest peaked enough to solve that problem that they're willing to engage in a longer dialogue? Short answer, in my opinion, is story. Mm, tell me and, more. And Brian, you asked me to tell a little bit more about my story because we know story works. Actually, yeah. this is probably one of the things that I did garner the most from when I was in the church and I was a minister and was reading the Bible a lot from Jesus, which, you know, again, I'm not a Christian anymore, but Jesus used story to communicate a message and convey a message. And the reason why that works so well is because when you watch a movie or listen to a podcast, or hear anyone tell a story, the first thing you do is imagine yourself in the main character's shoes or in one of the character's shoes. So when I'm communicating pain points in a cold call, the way I'm doing it is I'm saying, hey, people invite us in for this, one of these two reasons. One, and I just tell a little story. They're here, one of something's happening, and they can't get here. So they invite us in, we fix the problem, we help them get here. Or, and then I do the same thing, and I go, Either of those sound like anything you've experienced that you're hoping not to anymore or something like that, right? And because I'm using story, they get it. It doesn't become mechanism, which, you know, everyone knows, like, stay out of the weeds in the beginning. It doesn't become... Your inbound leads are opting becomes, in to know it, it more. It doesn't even exactly become problem solution. It becomes you're here and you want to be here. And everyone can digest that really well and everyone kind of knows where they want to be and they might not know how they want to get there that's why we become indecisive so much is because we know what the right answer we don't know what the right answer is and so if you can sell a journey and getting them from a point in their story to another point in their story that is way more likely to sell and whether or not i'm on a cold call or my first conversation is 45 minutes i start there mm. because that is how i also understand them and so I think story is one of the most underutilized mechanisms for sales. Um, and it's harder to use. Well, you have to know stories. You need to know your prospect stories. You know your customer stories. When you close people, you should be, and when you set people that close, you should be paying attention to their story because it'll be very easy for you to speak in and say, hey, you actually remind me of this person that, you know, I called a couple of weeks ago that signed up. They were here. They had these issues and they wanted to get here. And they're like three steps into that now. I mean, does that sound kind of like you guys or not really? And if no, and I say, or not really, I always give the negative reversal option because I also find that nowadays, if you don't give people the out, they're going to think you're pressing them into something. That is absolutely not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help them make small decisions that eventually lead that or, or commitments that eventually lead them to the ultimate decision or commitment, which is still theirs to make. Okay. But if I can get them all the way up there, it doesn't feel as scary as running up to the cliff from 10 feet away and jumping off blind 
it feels like I can kind of see over it. I've seen a couple other people jump. Even if I like hurt my leg, like it's not going to be the end of the world or whatever it is. Right. So I think story is one of the more powerful underutilized tools that people just don't know how to use. And I get why it's kind of hard to teach, honestly. And I coach, I've coached over a hundred people in sales at this point, probably a couple hundred hired a bunch, probably hired over a hundred and sto- using story is one of the hardest things to teach. Um, but one of the most effective methods in my opinion. Telling stories, man. There's a reason that it's a billion dollar industry over in Hollywood uh, or was. Yeah. It, it still is, but will it be for long? I don't know because they kind of stopped telling stories. Now they're just regurgitating stories with a 21st century twist, which it just doesn't feel good anymore. I, I don't know. Like the nostalgic, the nostalgia boost was nice at first. You were like, oh man, it's cool to see like characters from my childhood brought back. And now it's like, stop ruining childhood characters, please. Like I, I, I'm done. Yeah. I, I don't want to see Luke Skywalker turn into a whiny bitch. Please stop turning my favorite <laughs> characters into whiny bitches. I just know right. or, or making it like they they are shelves of them, their former selves, whatever it may be. I, I'm digressing here. But um, Jake, as we're going towards the tail end of the episode here, like I, I think, you know, for my final thoughts and, and this is a little segment we do, you know, I'll kick things off here and I'll turn things over to you for your final thoughts. But, um, you, you know, this this speaks to. When we're looking at the world of politics, we're looking at the world of sales, there there is so many similarities in terms of where the effectiveness lies, right? We, we just had uh, on our show um, Woodrow Johnston. He came from the McShane LLC, um, and, and they're political consultants. And he went through, he outlined, here's the proven success uh, tools that we found in, in our world for winning your campaigns. And, and what do they find? It's, it's going out, knocking on doors, right? It's doing direct dials for fundraising, right? And, and it's like, yeah, we know that works in sales because we do that, right? We, we, yep. we're going out and we're, we, I mean, we, oh, yeah. before COVID, it was much more common to go knock on doors. I knocked on many a door back sure. in my day. Um, but like, you know, we, we, you knock on the, the virtual door, right? You go, you search on LinkedIn, you go to your networking events, you're doing the cold calls, which you guys do. And we're going to talk about that in a second, which I want you to uh, talk about your organization. But I mean, that is, that is something in both worlds, whether you're listening to the episode as someone in the world of politics or as someone in the world of sales, in the world of business, which I know we have many of you in that audience as well. You know, this is a conversation that it, it transcends both and it's relevant for both worlds if you want to be successful. And frankly, it's ne- it's necessary if you want to be successful. So uh, if folks want to go ahead and learn more, uh, Jake, obviously we're going to go ahead and direct them to uh, where they can go ahead and follow you to continue the conversation, but also where they can possibly elicit your services. Jake, what are your final thoughts for today? So here, here's the thing is like, the thing right in front of you is the thing you need to work on. I have, I have a couple of businesses that do all sorts of things. What I love to do and what I would love to invite people to is to connect with me in some way because I actually love coaching and teaching. And the truth is, is most of the sales teachers out there are going to try and sell you some kind of like dream life or some really overly simplistic piece of information or maybe complicated piece of information that you'll just be able to download and plug in. I mean, the really experienced salespeople know that it actually took practice to get to a certain level. Your natural ability took you to a certain place, and then it took a lot of practice. If you train in sales, if you train your active listening, if you train your ability to use story and know when to use it, like you would a sport or MMA, or, you know, I was a music major, 
going to be an instrument. If you actually train it so that you can improvise with it in real time, which is unlike most business skills that you have to have, there's not really real time interaction happening. It's mostly prepare, preparation, prepared work. You can be successful, whether it's a cold call, a door knock, a conversation with your partner or whatever you're trying to do. Right. And so um, we help people with that. We have a course on how to be an SDR and actually train on the sales skills. We don't teach you how to use HubSpot or a dialer. We teach you how to have a conversation once someone answers the phone because we know you can figure the other stuff out. We're also almost done with a course on transitioning from SDR to or setter to closer or AE and the new skills you need to have and how to train yourself for that and how to show your higher ups or whatever that you're ready to make that transition because you've invested in yourself and you're actually working and you're role playing and you're practicing, and you're repping it and repping it and repping it. And so if any of that sounds helpful or interesting, or you just want to hang out or whatever, yeah, feel feel free. Please do follow me. Um, check out our websites. We you know we got the SDRWhisperer.com. We're about to have CloserWhisperer.com live. I'm on socials. My business par- partner's also on socials more than me. We're just starting to build mine up because um, I got some stuff to say. And we, honestly, we just like helping. Like we do lots of consulting. That makes us way more money than the courses do. But you know, we're we kind of. We kind of undercut the market on SDR Whisperer, created a course for under a thousand bucks. We just put it up a little bit more. Our closer course is going to be cheaper than any other closer course we have. And it's going to include role plays, call reviews, trainings. You fill out assignments. We watch the assignments and we pass or fail you. Um, And then you go back until you're good enough to move on, just like any other skill in life. And if you think about the skill you're the best at, that's probably how you got good at it. They probably made you run drills of practice or practice the one section of the song. You're not going to be able to play through the fire and flames by playing through the fire and flames on rock band. You're going to have to go into practice mode, slow down the solo and segment that stuff. Right. And so that's how we train sales. Um, I hated algebra two because I, I fudged my way through algebra one and I was really uncomfortable in algebra two. And I could never really get comfortable with it until I went back to my foundation. Same with pre-calc and AP calc. So if you feel that way about sales, like your foundation's a little shaky, you're not sure why, too shaky for you to hit the next level, then wrap the foundations. It's This is your life, your whole life, you know, or your career, or the next five years of your life, three years of your life, whatever. You want to feel good and solid. Uh, and so that's Jake, what we do. Appreciate you. SDRWhisper.com. If you folks want to go ahead, tell Jake you heard him here on the Brian Nichols Show, please. Go ahead and yeah. do so. And uh, by the way, Jake, do you have social media where folks can go ahead and continue the conversation? I do. I do. We're just building some new social media around my sales following. We're getting it started, but it's at Jake Hatcher Sales on everything. So mm-hmm. at Jake Thatcher, just like you see my name spelled here, sales, all one word. Um, I'm predominantly going to be on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Rock and roll. All right, folks. Well, that's where you can go ahead and find Jake. You can find yours truly at B Nichols Liberty X.com. Twitter.com still gets weird to say X.com just doesn't feel right. Uh, Facebook. Not doing it yet. No, yeah, you can still follow me on Facebook, though, as well, even though Facebook decided to give me a 90-day account restriction for sharing a meme of, uh, what was the meme? It wasn't even something bad. It was, uh, oh, they took, I I, I shared a, a picture of, it was like a, a joke about art being subjective and how it can get valuation at $20 million, and it's like, oh, you can have people pay you $20 million because they're like, oh, that's valued at $20 million. I'm not going to pay taxes on it. And then uh, Facebook was like, 
you're missing context. I'm like, it's a joke. What are we doing? So anyways, yeah, if you want to find the Brian Nichols Show Facebook page, um, you'll have to actually go and uh, hit the like little notification button, like the following button, I, I think, or see first, whatever it is in Facebook. Um, but it's yeah. dying over there. So yes, go ahead and follow us. Be safe over on Twitter slash x.com at B Nichols Liberty. Now, uh, two asks of my audience, uh, well, three. Uh, the first of my asks will be support the show. You can support the show by supporting our awesome sponsor, which is Proud Libertarian. They are the shop that supports the Brian Nichols Show store. Uh, today I'm rocking my Michael Scott 2024 shirt. So if you're not on board with the red team or blue team and you think that America needs a, what, a gold team with Michael Scott leading the charge? Well, here's where you can go ahead and express who you want in 2024 at brianicholshow.com. Make sure you use code TBNS for your Michael Scott 2024 shirt for 15% off your order. That's number one. Number two is, uh, yes, we are a podcast. So if you want to go ahead and support the podcast, YouTube Music, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, there are so many different places to get podcasts. Wherever it is you get your podcasts, hit the subscribe button, number one. Number two, though, hit download all unplayed episodes. We have 700 and I think like 60 or so episodes here of The Brian Nichols Show all episodes have amazing guests like we had Jake here on the show today that I promise will leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. That's uh, number two. Number three, yes, we are a video podcast as well, which means we are on YouTube, we are on Rumble, we are on Sovereign, which is Ben Swan's independent media entity, S-O-V-R-E-N. And yes, I announced it last episode. We've been trying it out. We've been having some great success. So yes, we officially air our episodes over on Twitter.com as well in their entirety. So if you want to check our episodes over there, go ahead and give us some some love over on the Twitters. Again, at B Nichols Liberty. Jake, that's all we have uh, for us today, I guess. Any last things awesome. on your end? Great being here. And... uh yeah, man. I mean, if you ever want me to even do a sales training or anything like that, we'd love to be back. Cool and cool to see that we're on all the uh, all the independents. That's kind of fun. Oh, absolutely, know? man. Diversify the message, especially because. Uh, well, I, I know I'm not monetized on YouTube. I got in the strikes over on Facebook. So you know what? Got to cover yeah. our bases. Got to own our audience, yes. which, by the way, thanks for reminding me. If you want to go ahead and get my morning sales huddle, which is my email weekly in your inbox. It's usually some tips, some suggestions, some tricks I've learned over the years as a sales executive. We'll go ahead and sign up for a morning sales huddle over at BrianNicholsShow.com. Link there on the homepage. That's all we have for you, folks. Jake, thank you for joining us. Thank you, audience, for joining us. Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Jake Tatcher. We'll see you next time. See you, guys. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.